Welcome to another episode of the Houdat Jedi Podcast. This is episode 128. And with you, as always, is Aaron, Fredo, and Dave. How are we doing, guys? Don't everybody speak doing at okay. once? I'm doing well. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, it's a, well, it's actually the sun is kind of shining right now after it's like been raining, raining. Ra- I feel like Gilligan's Island is being played on repeat here. But, um, hey, it is what it is. Um so I have to tell you guys, I'm excited because uh, Brittany said as we we're eating dinner, she said two weeks from uh, today. Um, actually, I think she meant two weeks from tomorrow. But anyway, um, in two weeks, we're heading to Ireland for um, about five days. And we're going to go watch uh, Nebraska is playing Northwestern in their opening game in Dublin, Ireland. And um, actually, so part of this trip, we're going to make our way to the west to meet some former coworkers, the company I worked at was all based in Ireland. So I'm actually going to be able to meet these people. Um, I don't work for that company anymore. They still like me. Um, but anyway, I was listening to a podcast. This is the power of podcasting because on Sunday I was listening to a podcast of, uh, uh, from Ireland and they were talking about, um, the town of Athlone, which is about halfway in between Dublin and Galway. And it has, Guinness World Guinness World Book of World Records has Sean's Bar listed as the oldest bar in Ireland, dating back to 900 AD, and they're actually trying to find out if it is the oldest in the world. They have not found another bar that is older than Sean's Bar. I'm like that. I like came running into into Brit's. Uh, room where she was reading i said uh, we this sounds like a perfect place to go have a beer is the oldest bar on the planet so i'm excited yeah i mean that's yeah i mean i I will say though you know nebraska northwestern doesn't exactly make me think ireland but you know it's a nice excuse to go and have a good time well, yeah, Nebraskans are about as pasty white as, uh, you know, you'll find in Ireland. So we'll fit in quite nicely. Um, but, uh, yeah, but no, like I said, I was like, wow, to go to the, the old, oldest bar. They said they when they renovated in 1970, they opened up the walls and they found the walls were made of wicker and something else. And they actually found um, money. They found coins of different landlords around the area that they would use to barter with. So they have some of that on display. I'm just, I just like nerded out and I was like, it's actually not going to add a lot onto our driving. So hooray. Um, so anyway, what's new with everybody else? Anything exciting happening in Dave or Fredo land? Not really. No, no, no. Uh, yeah. uh, I spent the weekend, uh, uh, binging, the season one of the Sandman on Netflix, mm-hmm. which I don't know. If, okay, uh, have you read that comic book, Dave? 
I, I don't know if Britt ever read the, it's a graphic novel. Yeah, no. So, so this was it was in the nineties. Uh, you know, but I don't think they'll be dressed like that. This was a graphic novel. It was based on the guy who wrote co-wrote Good Omens and Gods game, and this is how he made his name was the seventy-five issue series, which stars the Morphian, the Lord of the Dreaming. And how he gets in prison for a hundred years, breaks out, and has to set his realm back to right. So, it's ten episodes, really excellently casted, really excellently acted. And you have everybody from Gwendolyn Christie, so Captain Plasma and Brienne of Tarth as Lucifer, to uh, Pat Oswalt as the voice of a raven, and uh, Mark Hamill as actually the voice of a uh, jack o' lantern. That's uh, the the groundskeeper slash housekeeper for the the castle of Morpheus. So, but it's very funny. It's very poignant. It can be quite scary. Definitely adult, but it's a great show. And if anybody has ever read the comic books or the graphic novels, they know. That and what what streaming service is that as on? High up Netflix. Okay. It's, the, the Sandman. Yeah, Sandman's one of those series where the, it's weird. Like the the season one that you'll see is very straightforward. When you get to the latter series seasons, if they ever make them, it's gonna get way more out there, way more esoteric, way more artistic, and it's just, it's just wonderful. It's a wonderful little show, and uh, I'm glad that finally, it's one of those that everybody said you can never make, so I'm glad they made it. Right on. Yeah, I haven't been watching anything interesting. So, um... apparently, we're all supposed to watch Prey, which is the newest. I need to watch that. Yeah, the newest yeah. Predator. I was going to say it's the Predator spinoff, or right, or is it? A, mm-hmm. It's it's a prequel, it, basically. It's okay. a yeah, it's a it's Predator, but it takes place in the 1700s, and uh, it ties a little bit to a minor moment at the end of Predator Two, uh, but it's just it's original story. It's really well from what I heard. Everybody's loving it, so definitely got to watch it because I love Predator, like any kid who grew up in the 80s should. I like I the those series like that series Terminator. Um, there's a bunch of the movies that we grew up on in the '80s that just can't seem to get out of their own way. Um, so you wait for the reviews on these movies to come in, and then you're like, "Oh, okay, this one people hand, like." Hand to God, I've only I've only seen the first Predator movie. I remember mm-hmm. I remember Jesse Ventura saying, "I ain't got time to bleed." Or that was the line, right? Yeah. yeah, ain't got time. Yeah, I remember. So, um, yeah, so one or two. Uh, the the one good thing, the smart thing that they did with this though, just right quick, they put it on streaming. They put it in Hulu. See, they had gone to movies. They did kind of. They learned from uh, what Disney learned with Encanto, where you put it at the theaters, nobody goes to see it. You put it on streaming, everybody spends the weekend seeing it and getting their friends to see it and recommending it, and then people watch it and it spreads. Weirdly enough. Cool. Well, tonight's episode, we got a couple top 10 lists. Um, and uh, it, it comes actually, it comes from my, uh, my morning uh, Google news feed. I've, I find these things and I send them to the guys. The first one we're going to start off with, we're not going to do trivia. We're going to break from tradition. We're not going to do trivia. So we can do the first top 10 list. This is just kind of fun. It was uh, top 10 um, movies that used Star War that used lightsabers other than Star Wars. 
And it's because it, this I thought this was funny from the get-go because of the very first one that they mentioned in 1995, Gumby the movie. <laughs> that's that's number one. That's, these are in no particular order, but uh, yeah, it's Gumby the movie because apparently Gumby uh, was fighting a uh, evil robot version of himself and who was using a sword, and Gumby manages to find an orange-bladed lightsaber. So okay, that was anybody see Gumby the movie? I or? haven't seen that one. Um, <laughs> I mean Gumby Gumby or Eddie Murphy Gumby? No, Gumby Gumby. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this next one is also I, I haven't seen this one either. But Hamlet two. Didn't didn't know there was a Hamlet two, but um, wasn't that a joke in some play? Well, I mean, it says the the hilarious uh, Steve Coogan starred in this 2008 comedy about a high school drama teacher who creates the stages, and uh, creates into stages an absurd sequel to Hamlet. So apparently, um, it has uh, has Hamlet using uh, lightsabers instead of uh, swords. So this next one I have seen. I remember seeing this in the movie theater. Hot Shots Part Two. Part D. Uh, twice. yeah okay um i i remember i remember that one because that was what 1980 would that have been 86 about ish well, hot shots would be 90 91 92 i think maybe even 93 no. yeah, no, they, yeah well they were yeah, oh, they, early, early 90s you're right early 90s yeah. parried right. 80 blockbusters got it okay yeah because the first one was a send off of top gun and i want to say that came out like 89.90 and then the other one was a mashup of Rambo, Platoon, and Apocalypse Now. But yeah, here in this one they have the President of the United States fighting Saddam Hussein with lightsabers. Um, so well, Bridges R.I.P. Uh, the next one, 17 again. Have either of you seen this movie? This is uh, Zac Efron and Matthew Perry. Um, and th- that's, a, that's a, was it a remake? It might not have been a remake. I don't know. But yeah. I, I know of the movie. I don't think I've watched the movie. It's actually kind of a cute movie. Just mm-hmm. It's one of those, you know, it's not going to win any award whatsoever. It's kind of cute. But one of uh, Zac Efron's, uh, like, best friend is uh, a huge nerd um, and just and has a lightsaber bed. Or not a lightsaber, but a land speeder bed and has lightsabers and everything. So... Yeah, seventeen again. It's kind of uh, yeah. I you, this, you didn't come to this podcast to find out what seventeen again is about. You can find it and watch it. Um, next one. I remember the the commercials for this, but I never saw the movie The Indian in the Cupboard. I remember because I remember the commercials. They showed Darth Vader, um, the Darth Vader yeah. toy. Um, but here, this picture they show him fighting a, a T Rex. So. Um, but yeah, he brought. Uh, I'm. I'm batting an offer on this so far. I don't think I've seen any of these. Well, I've only seen um, one of them. I saw Hot Shots Part. Two. Well, Seventeen again. I saw as well. Fredo. Yeah, I remember the Indian in the cupboard back when it came out because it was kind of those light and family friendly warm movies. But the lightsaber. So well, the only thing I remember, like I'll... I said in the in the promo, was Darth Vader because I got excited because there was Darth Vader. So. Um, the next one I haven't heard of this at all. Star Crash. What? 
After the release of Star Wars 1977, fans we couldn't wait long to see a lightsaber on screen again. Dozens of knockoff films were put into production in the hopes of cashing in the success of George Lucas's blockbuster. 1978's Star Crash featured a green lightsaber used by Acton and Prince Simon, uh, played by uh, Marjorie Gortner and David Hasselhoff. David Hasselhoff. Uh-huh. So, nice. Star Crash. Never heard of that one either. I uh, haven't heard of this one either, but Bible Man. Oh, God, I know which one this is. <laughs> uh, if you don't know about Bible Man, you are suffering from a deficiency of campy, lightsaber-wielding superheroes in your life. Surprisingly, such a franchise has been running strong for upwards of a quarter century. The original Bible Man program launched in 1995 as a direct-to-video live-action series whose hero pulled his power from God and the scriptures. So, there you go. Um, the next movie, the next one I've seen like advertised in the movie theater for about four years, and I still have never watched it, and that's Free Guy. Looks like an interesting movie to watch, though. Have you guys seen this? Actually, I have seen this one. It's pretty good. It's fun. It's lighthearted. It's, uh, I mean, if you, if you love video games and genre geek stuff it's like it's perfect has some philosoph- philosophical elements but you're like eh, not too serious it's less self-important than ready player one but very similar so i was wondering in terms yeah yeah you know ready lot, player one i was kind of surprised that i liked that movie as much as i do mm-hmm. that's become one of those that if it's on tv i tend to watch it um but yeah oh yeah and that's kind of what i got out of the ads of um, um, free guys that seem similar but um, yeah mm-hmm. maybe a little bit more irreverent um, and a lot of the similar kind of pop, pop culture references and tie-ins so yeah now this next like one the big moment includes marvel <laughs> this next one we've all seen space balls no 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 light speed is too slow light speed too slow yes we're gonna have to go right to ludicrous speed <gasps> ludicrous speed Sir, we've never gone that fast before. I don't know if the ship can take it. What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken? Spaceballs. Yes. I hate it when I get my short. I hate it when my shorts gets all twisted. I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. He got the upside. I got the downside. I, the, there's all. Now let's see how well you handle it. <laughs> you know, actually, this struck me as always being a little mixture of Star Wars and Masters of the Universe. Because, you know, He-Man and Skeletor's swords were kind of the upside and downside of each other. I mean, at least the toys were that way. You could put the two swords together and this sounds really dirty. Then get one big sword. Um, But (laughs) anyway, um, but uh, Spaceballs, classic. Um, One of my favorite cosplays to see at Celebration was Dark Helmet. That was good. Um, Was he surrounded by... Oh, uh, no, but yeah, well, maybe. Um, Probably. Uh, I can't say what it is because yeah. it'll be McClunky. It'll be McClunky. Um, no, the next one, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, uh, which garnered two of the best lines um, in movies, I think. One is Chris Rock saying, I think George Lucas is going to sue somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the other one is Mark Hamill um saying don't f with a jedi master son 
And that's <laughs> if I ever get a chance to meet Mark Hamill, I'm going to want him to say that. Um, but uh, I think, yeah, that was the last one. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. So um, there you go. Ten movies. And I had no idea there was a Gumby movie. So we all learned something today. So, all right. Well, we got some news. So, Fredo, let's chuck it over to you. Let's run, let's run right quick through these news because uh, it's a few fair bit since we missed some last week. Actually, the first one's from last week. Uh, in case you hadn't noticed, seen it, we got the official full trailer for Ender. We got officially uh, September 21st is the release. Three episodes will drop on that day. Have you guys watched, by the so, way, the uh, on a tangent, have you watched the uh, um, trailer for Mando Season 3, that the bootleg one that's gone out from Celebration? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. It looks yeah. like what I really am geeked out over that one about is it looks like there's a huge space battle, which is, or maybe multiple space battles, and that's cool. So that's something that Mandalorian hasn't done yet. Not well. No, they had the one, the one dude chasing him down. Pew, pew, pew. There, there are a few pew, pew moments. Yeah. But, uh... This looks a little bit better. Anyway, we don't have to harp yeah. on that one, but it just, it was kind of interesting. So, um, hold I... on. One of the things that kind of makes me think is number one, maybe the budget has gone up, but also, I'm going to be interested in noticing how different these shows are. Because even though they're all taking place in Star Wars universe, it's going to be fun to see how different creators, different stories kind of... Because it could be quite easy. I mean, we saw a book of Boba Fett where you could have, you know, we were saying it's Mandalorian 2.5. Well, and or Mandalorian should not look the same. I think it's... I'm sorry. I think it's even... I think it's a little bit on a different level than that because the gauntlet is already being thrown down. If you've read any of the, heard any of the interviews with Gilroy where he's kind of saying, you know, basically we're not messing around with that volume thing. You know, I mean, that's not what he said, but that was the kind of the gist of his comments. And so there are people now who are like going, yeah, the Andor thing, they actually filmed in real places and not in one room with a bunch of screens you know, it's like, oh, how quickly we have all ran away from the volume is the most awesome thing ever to it's a big video game and look how great it is that you filmed in Scotland. Um, so I think I wonder if they're, you know, going to start having to, you know, the, the volume has now become detectable, you know, and it's not as seamless or maybe it's, and you know, I don't know, maybe they need to start using a mixture of stuff. But anyway. Dave, you seem like you had something you're you're itching to add. Not really, no. I continue to get more and more impressed with the look of the show. And I don't want to be a volume basher and pile on, but honestly, it looks good. Um, Especially some of the... um, Like the wide-angle stuff, and we're going to like show you an impressive universe that we've created from scratch. I think like sometimes with Mando and, and Boba Fett, they don't necessarily give you that sort of, I don't know, not the establishing shot, but in that I, similar, I think, pause I think and you're, smell the roses kind of thing. I think you were you know? right. I think you were right. But I think, I think the good shots have gotten clouded because the bad shots are so bad. 
because there are some like I'm thinking about some of the Tatooine stuff in Mando is incredible. You think about when they're battling the crate dragon, when you think about when, you know, he's riding a speeder, you know, with what's his bucket to go find Fennec Shand. Um, there's some really kick butt shots and that's all volume. Yeah. And, but then you get in some places like you're in a cavern with frog lady. Sorry. I know you guys like frog lady, but then it becomes like, okay, yeah, we look like we're in, uh, holiday and holodome now you know so i wonder if some of them like i said some of the shots are so noticeable that it makes you forget about you know how awesome some of the other ones look so but i agree with you i mean you can't i mean the andor just looks awesome it looks incredible mm-hmm. yeah now, i was just gonna say actually for me the shots that have been sticking out the most were the ones where you know on tatooine during book of boba fett where you can kind of see that they're on a set and i think that's kind of hard to hide that that's that's what's going to make candor so interesting if if they can give you that scope that sense of size because it is the empire you're supposed to feel part of their uh of the theme around them is how oppressive they are and you know that's the whole point of andor's that he's opposing them even though it almost seems insurmountable. So, speaking uh, of Andor, I will uh, briefly what? say thematically the last two series, which is our last impression of Star Wars television, they were both very small, character-focused stories, and so it made sense in a way to film them in that way, in that manner, to, to, sure. to like hone in on the characters. And but again, like some of that grandeur, I think, is what you're seeing with some of these early scenes of Andor and that's that's exciting so speaking of Tony Gilroy he was doing the press tour last week promoting Andor you know tied in with the trailer release so they started asking him about how and bring everybody's favorite droid K2SO into it and he says now he explained that the show the, the first season will take place five years before Rogue One and he says the casting Andor we're going to meet in that show isn't yet the person who would know how to or be motivated to reprogram an imperial droid. So he says, from a storytelling point, sto- excuse me, storytelling point of view, there's multiple reasons. I would just say, wait and see. It's a story we are eager to tell. So apparently now, the other interesting thing is from that that came out is that season two, which will be 12 episodes, much of season one, is going to be separated into batches of three. So season one is five years before Rogue One. The first three episodes of season two will take four years before Rogue One. Seasons four, episodes four, five, and six, three years. Seven, eight, nine, two years. Final three episodes will be a year or so. But basically, what Gilroy says is, last scene of the show, the final episode, will walk the audience directly into Rogue One and into the first scene of Rogue One. So they are looking to tie Cassian Andor with Rogue One. On a, not just thematically, but directly. Cool. So, yeah, yeah, we got more information on on what this series is going to look like. Um, I'm excited. I just again, everything that I hear and see, it just makes me more excited. I just I just rewatched Rogue One. Uh, my daughter, you know, again, the younger set are not as gung ho and excited about that movie uh, traditionally as as the older crowd it has been. So uh, my, my daughter expressed interest in rewatching it. I was like, "Yes, absolutely, let's do this." And um, 
she liked it a lot more the second time around. It's like, what's well, an emotional movie? And it's like, you're I, when you're young, you're like, oh, I want a happy ending, and I want this, and I want that. Yeah. Sometimes things make you feel a way that is a little uncomfortable, and Rogue One is one of the movies that does that. You have to really examine the nature of war and what it means for these people that you grow attached to over the course of two hours. And, um, that movie just, I mean, I'm sorry. Well, and just, it's, it holds and it's, up. it's one thing. It's one thing when like one character in the movie dies, but when all the movies, main characters, heroes die, that's also got to be something that kind of weighs on a kid, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. And I think they got attached to K2SO and when he dies, I got, K, like, I got Whoa. attached to K2SO. I almost cried. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no I, and like he's the he's the comic relief he's the fun one and then like boom he gets cut down and now you know it's serious um on this recent rewatch for me too an interesting little thing i always was really affected by Bodhi's death in particular too because it seemed completely senseless like this bomb just sort of rolls by him and what oh i'm dead um but like I hadn't really like clued in to the fact that uh, like it means more that he dies because they they have that line of dialogue several minutes beforehand which is like keep the engine running you're our only way out of here. Yeah. And then he dies and and the ship gets blown up and and so like not only do you have to process that character's death you have to process what it means for, for everybody the people else. who are still alive. Well. Wow. Yeah. Speaking of Star Wars TV, uh, uh, there was a little leak coming out of the Acolyte uh, from a Twitter user, which uh, says that Lucasfilm's planning is planning to travel to. Okay, I'm, I'm probably going to butcher the name of this. I'm sorry, it's Scottish. Just say if Scotland. it's not Scottish, crap. Yeah, it, they're going to Caithness, Scotland. If it's not Scottish, it's crap. <laughs> and I. And I, and I probably just made an enemy for life there. So anyway, uh, yes, uh, Lucasfilm's plan to travel to Caithness, Scotland to film scenes for The Acolyte. Uh, apparently, there's they were looking to start they're looking to start filming the the series beginning this October, uh, and then will run through May of next year. They're planning on using the volume, but they're also going to use some sets that are on the newly built Shinfield Studios in Reading. So then, apparently, the idea behind using uh, Scotland is to depict the main character's uh, home planet uh, Aura. Uh, the home planet's name is Sanshiro, so it's going to be marshlands, large hills, snowy mountains. No, the the beautiful Scottish countryside yeah. idea. So cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, besides, but mm -hmm. that gets to my point that I think you're going to start. You know, Mando was all volume all the time. And yeah, they did some backlot stuff, but I think you're going to start. I think now they're starting to figure out how they can mix the two, because that's mm -hmm. that's just going to be the best of both worlds. But anyway, keep going. Yeah. Now, uh, speaking of TV shows, also they were interviewing Lawrence Kasdan over at Inverse, and they're talking, you know, about his career, uh, you know, kind of referencing back to Light and Magic, the series, and so somewhere along the way, somebody did come up and ask him, "Hey." What about doing Solo 2? Are you still interested in that? And he says, yeah, I'm still kind of interested in it. 
But they also asked him, but wait a minute, would you be interested if, for example, we could do this for Disney Plus? You know, Star Wars right now is all in on Disney Plus and on TV show. And so he says, uh, hold on, quote, his quote is this. No, there's no, not any talk of that. I have not been particularly drawn to expanding Solo into a TV show, but I do talk to Ron Howard and John Caston a lot about what went right and what went wrong with the Solo experience. I would be more interested in doing another movie, not a TV series. So it's interesting that even though a lot of resources and a lot of goodwill is going towards Disney Plus and Star Wars on streaming, there's still that, no, we got to do this as a movie. Well, but I think, and I I was just going to say I'm no writer, but I am a writer. I'm a technical writer. (laughs) But uh, I would think from a creative standpoint that it's... um, two very different disciplines to write for a movie and to write for, you know, a TV series. I mean, it, Lawrence Kasdan has been in this, you've, you've kind of got this, I mean, I'm going to say formula, but there is, I mean, there is a formula. So to, that's what he's used to. So he probably, and how old is he? Probably doesn't really want to, you know, learn how to drive a stick shift when he's been driving an automatic his whole life when he's, you know, in his seventies. Um, so, I mean, I can, so I think it's probably less about, you know, I don't think solo works as a TV series. I think it's more like that. That's just not where my writing fits. So it's the difference between say writing meet the Beatles versus writing dark side of the moon. You know, if you are, you know, writing a complete an individual song versus writing a pro- concept album where you, it's all supposed to flow together. It's yeah. it's a different way of thinking. And so you're right. Some writers may not be comfortable with well, the okay week in week out you know cutting of the story. Yeah, I mean it's just it's just different different disciplines. So I also think that that he or other people affiliated with the movie have given interviews along the lines of that they had ideas for a sequel. And they may have a particular format in mind for those ideas, you know, like this is enough for two hours. It's not enough to fill a, you know, eight hour miniseries or whatever. So, um, you know, that could be at play there too. Uh, so just right quick, just to wrap up a couple more bits of news. One, they were interviewing John Boyega about a rumor about joining the MCU. And he said, no, not at this time. And then they also asked him about, you know, because they says that's not in the vision for me right now. All right. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you here. John Boyega, if you're listening to this podcast, because we know you listen to this podcast, I'm going to give you some life tips here, son. Never say, no, I am not interested. Always say you're open to have a conversation because then, you know, because if you say, you know, no, I don't want to do this, then, I mean, then nobody's going to, they're not going to come knocking on your door when it's like time for, you know, you don't have any acting career and they want you to be in, you could have been in MCU. I, I don't know. It's just, I, it, that drives me bonkers when I see people go, no, I'm not going to do that. And of course he did that with, you know, so, the don't Disney plus me thing. So he's, it's just got to get a little bit more post. of the politics in him where it's like, you know, I'm never going to, those people who say, I'll never say never to something. I mean, it's kind of like, I think Daisy Ridley has said she'll never say never to come. I, but I have, I think she has no interest in, you know, playing Ray anytime soon, but she left the door open, you know, 
So anyway. Yeah, so let me finish this finish this quote right quick. He says, quote, I want to do nuanced things. I want to donate my services to original indie films that come with new fresh ideas because I know it's real hard to top Iron Man in that universe. So he's cognizant of the fact that he doesn't want to just be the next guy on the assembly line in the source of matter speaking. He you know that it's gonna be it is and it is gonna be tough to anybody trying to take on the shoes of you know the next center of the MCU, which is what he sees himself as. That said, I do wonder if a lot of this is related to the feelings regarding the end of the sequel trilogy. You know, you know, he said that, you know, it took him some time and we know we've spoken about in past uh shows where we discussed him coming back and having heart to hearts with Kathleen Kennedy and the folks at Disney just because he felt that the the way that his story as Finn wrapped up wasn't really to his liking. Like I said, what I've learned in my life is never never say no because you can have a conversation, then decide, you know, no, I don't want to do that job. But if you say no right out the gate, then you're never going to have the conversation. Yeah, anyway, sorry, Dave, I so, stepped on uh, you. Yeah, go ahead, there. Don't burn bridges. Right. I mean, that's that's where I that's where I fall on that one. I never, I almost never burn bridges, or at least I intend to never burn bridges because it's just you never know, you never know where life is going to take you. Danny, don't go chasing waterfalls. Oh, you! Well, that, I'm going to mute Fredo for the rest of the show. <laughs> Why? I don't know. That's, okay, everybody right say goodnight to Fredo, everybody. <laughs> Uh, last bit of news. Uh, so, the, speaking of somebody who might not be involved in any kind of Star Wars, this guy was actively involved in Star Wars. Uh, they were doing an interview with uh, Cameron Monaghan, who's the actor who's been scanned to be Cal Kestis. He's doing the performance for Cal Kestis that will appear in Jedi Fallen Order and will appear in Jedi Survivor next year. So, they asked him about making the transition. Okay, would you be interested at some point? playing this character, this role in a live action setting. It says, uh, to your point, Aaron, quote, well, of course there's interest. That's about all I can say, end quote. Now, clearly he's not saying no, and he understands that his story, particularly in the post-Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, it's tied, tied even closer because he's all about, you know, his story relates out to the Inquisitors and the fall of the Jedi and Order 66, and that's all that Obi-Wan also dealt with recently. So now my, and, I, we've seen, and we've seen Cat Bane and Bo-Katan come from animation to live. My German Shepherd is saying from the background here, she wants me to bring up the point that why do reporters ask stupid questions? I mean, it's, no, I don't want to be in Star Wars. Right. Or, you know, it kind of goes into the John Boyega thing a little bit. But this one, it's like you've played Cal Kestis in this really popular video game and everybody's buying your lightsaber at Galaxy's Edge. And would you, have you ever thought about you? Have you ever thought about wanting to play it live action? I don't know. That just seems like a that just seems like a dumb reporter question. So. That bothers me. Get off my lawn. For, for me, the interesting question is, where would you see him coming in? Everybody you know, was convinced of, he if, was going to be in Kenobi. Um, right, that was a rumor. But if not, well, what if you, you have know, Ken, what if you have Kenobi two? What if there is a sequel? Like Boogaloo? 
Yeah, right. Kenobi 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> but seriously, what if you do have a sequel to Kenobi? I mean, I mean, one Jedi found yeah. one Jedi found him. So why couldn't others, you know, find their way, you know, to, you know, to find their it's way to Obi-Wan yeah. somehow? That I mean, that would be a way that would give you a different kenobi story without trying to shoehorn too much stuff in like you can i don't know um we're just that's all obviously just all speculation but that i mean that would make sense it's same time frame or we've also mentioned a possible spin-off project for reva the third sister right yeah so if you wanted to continue on the idea of her sort of on the run you know, dealing with the fifth brother and the other Inquisitors, you could loop in Cal Kestis at that point and hit, you know, bringing two, a former, uh, two former Padawans together to, you know, take on the Inquisitors would be an interesting story. It doesn't need to be other than that. But... Cool. Anyway, anyway, on that, you know, right. that's it for news. Well, thank you. And uh, so now on to the meat of the show tonight. And this is going to be kind of fun. This, again, came from my early morning readings. By the way, the first one, the, the lightsaber thing, that was uh, from Screen Rant. And um, this one was a, uh, you know, the YouTube channel Mojo. Um, they had, <laughs> and it's like, talk about having a title that was like, I've got to watch this. And it was the um, top 10 moments in top 10 moments that made star Wars fans hate star Wars. Is that what it's something like something like that? It was just yeah. top 10 moments that made fans hate star Wars. Um, I was like, Oh, I gotta watch this. So anyway, I threw it to you guys. Now, Dave has not watched this video, so he doesn't know what their top 10 is. So we're going to get Dave's honest reaction. Fredo and I have both watched this. Um, and then, so we're going to, we're going to go through each one of these. We're going to discuss it. Um, we're not going to say, I mean, maybe we'll agree with them. Maybe we'll tell people to lighten up, whatever, but then we might have in our back pocket, some of our own, uh, to share. Um, but starting off, number 10 and again this comes from mojo okay so this isn't our top 10 but so this is us reacting to their top 10 and dave's honest reaction first one comes from and you're by the way dave you're going to find a theme you're going to find a theme throughout okay. this we're, we're going right. to play at the end of this uh, you know um what do these all have in common but anyway uh number 10 comes from the rise uh, i'm sorry revenge of the sith and it is lost the will to live basically Padme's death mm -hmm. that, that the droid comes out and mm -hmm. said she's medically mm -hmm. fine, but she's lost the will. She's dying. It's like, how do you, how are you medically fine, but you're dying? Okay. Anyway, but and then he says, but it's like, she's lost the will to live. So that was, I, I will have to admit that when that first hit me in the movie theater, that was kind of a groaner for me. Like, really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think like, I've come full circle on this where it's like, at first it didn't bother me. Uh, I'm hearing from a lot of people about this, that it, that it's like, Oh God, like, how do you even do that? Then it, then it began to bother me a lot. Um, 
and then I sort of wrap my mind around it. It's like, well, if you just change that one bit of dialogue, it would be fine. Um, and then talking to our friend uh, Leslie about it and how like she was this abuse victim and how like that can f with your head. I was like, uh, okay, you know, like, all right, you know, like I've come to full circle, but but I understand it being there. I'll say that, like, if if that's in the top ten, I can, I, I would buy that. Now I will say, make me hate Star Wars. No, did that <laughs> moment ruin the movie yeah. for me? No, that moment didn't ruin the movie for me. We'll get to that later. But Fredo, I don't know. What do you what do you think about Lost yeah. and Will to Live? See, here's the thing. I could see why he why George did it that way, where he wanted to, you know, Padme's got to die. Padme's got to go. Otherwise, uh, Darth Vader's going to be chasing after her. So easy solution. She dies in childbirth. But it's almost like he didn't want to take the obvious of, well, he force choked her. Maybe he hurt her, caused uh, early delivery. And, you know, he doesn't want to put the blame for her death on Anakin's shoulders. And I'm like, yeah, but that's part of the tragedy is that the person looking to say he say he's looking to save is the one he ends up killing. So, yeah. You know, but yeah, I again, think no. I think that's why that dialogue exists. You're you're exactly right. He, he wanted to, he wanted to give Anakin get Anakin off the hook, so so to speak, um, for right. her death. So then I'm going to, I'm going to throw one from the back pocket then because it's absolutely applicable to what we're talking about right now. Because, and this one comes from my wife because I read her this list and she is like, actually the first one before I even read her, any of them, she says, is the kiss in there? I was like, what kiss? She's like Ray and Kylo oh. in the rise of Skywalker. And she said, because she said, I, I cannot believe that she would sit up and kiss that gaslighting, misogynistic, evil son of a it was she was that visceral about it and i had the same reaction at that too it's like you know there was all all of a sudden just because he's wearing a gap sweater we're supposed to give <laughs> you know kylo's all good so i see what you're talking about here it's like george gave you can't give padme a, a hero's death because she just can't give birth and then hop in a starfighter and then you know you know to, she, there's no way so and then you're right if it's like you the easiest way would have been just she's dying in childbirth people die in childbirth well how do you die well anakin killed her you know so you said that door is closed so yeah i i get what you're saying there but then how do you how do you then well of course it's not george lucas but how do you go to have to accept ray and kylo having that embrace at the end of rise of skywalker and maybe we can leave that as rhetorical. There's, I mean, yeah, that, and that kind of goes, to the, but it also goes to the fact that different creators saw it different ways, and they're serving different things. And well, I'm not, and actually, I'm honestly, not talking about the creators. I'm taking your guys's, you know, rationale of, you know, we we put, we left that door open so that it leaves. What I'm interpreting is that that gives you then the opening for redemption for Anakin, because if he mm -hmm, right. if if we put Padme's death on his shoulders a hundred percent then there's really no room for redemption but the kylo thing i mean there he did was kill his daddy so there was no there was no door open 
I and again, uh, we can leave that as rhetorical yeah. right now. That can be another yeah. bar fight at some point. I I have more to say about Ben Solo. So <laughs> right, well, well, then we'll, we'll another get, episode, another episode. We'll get to it. Um, so number nine, this was kind of a shocker to me, and it was a shocker to Brit when I read it too. Um, Rose saves Finn. So when Finn is flying into the Death Star laser on crate and Rose T-bones him and, which that sounds dirty, uh, giggity, and, um, you know, and saves him. Um, they said that was made people. And, you know, and as we were talking about it, I was like, yeah, I mean, if you're not going to let Finn finish that hero's arc and sacrifice himself, then don't put him driving down the gullet of a space laser you know it did it did kind of cheapen finn always just kind of got screwed in these three movies i have more to say about finn as well as ben um but in this particular case it's the physics of it it's the star wars physics of it that make that like are weird to me because like he's i think he's got this head start on everybody because everybody turns around go back to the base so they all turn around and they go back to the base he's still going full bore at this thing how's she gonna catch up to him so it's like again like i do the whole geeky like you know over analyzation of the scene as a um as a thematic you know element as a motif he's like okay i get the point of it she's she says exactly what she means it's like we're going to we're going to prevail through love not hate and i get it but it's a little clunky clunky but i'll also say that and it's it's always kind of difficult because obviously there's going to be some there's some I was caught that a lot, a lot some moments that people didn't like necessarily about Last Jedi get lumped in with the general dislike from some sectors towards Last Jedi. Like the scene itself yep. is fine. Yep. It's again it's 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 giving you what Ryan Johnson wants to give you. Does it necessarily land with you? Maybe, maybe not. I, I respect that. I respect that, you know, people have different points in that. But it, I don't necessarily find it to be one of the worst scenes. That there's there's stuff that's that hasn't been sticking me out of Star Wars. That this didn't. This felt like part of Star Wars. If this is going to make the top ten, I would have put it at ten. So, yeah. there's a lot of misogyny and everything that goes along with Rose as as a character too. And like, so a grain of salt. Every anytime she pops up in a list like this, I'm like, well, yeah, good point. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, number eight from. Um, I guess this was also the uh, uh, Revenge of the Sith. This was no, I'm sorry. This is uh, Attack of the Clones. Um, Jar Jar gives Palpatine emergency powers. Oh come on, come on! That's that's objectively hilarious. We just got an honest reaction from Dave, didn't we? Dave has not seen this list, folks. That was his... He's he's never reacted that quickly to anything, I don't think. Anyway, so continue, sir. We all had a good... We all had a good laugh in the theater. Like, again, even if it wasn't, like, an outburst, crazy, you know, guffaw, it was like a a knowing, oh, I see what you did there kind of thing. Um, 
It seemed clever enough. It seemed like a reimagine, like reimagining this character's role in the bigger picture, right? It's like, well, what's the point of this guy? What's the point of this guy? Like, that's all that you heard after Phantom Menace. Was that like? I guess you could say this was an overcorrection for some people, but by the same token, it was an it, it was an attempt to say here's here's how people like this can be used in this manner and that's not a good thing at all um and again but again for a lot of people it was like oh i see why i see how that happened you know you know what it would have been um more i I, and again i i I totally get your point but I've, i've thought about how how clunky it was for that you know how that all led up and I think it would have been far more interesting in the overall Star Wars story if what if what if Bail Organa was the one who got suckered in yeah and you know it's it's the I I voted against the war before I voted for it type of a thing you know the 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 politician who votes for something and then realizes oh crap I shouldn't have voted for that and then spends you know the rest of his career you know or her career trying to right that wrong what if it would have been Padme Amidala that would have been the deciding vote because of some you know if we're gonna if we're gonna go into politics that that would have made things really interesting you know so um having Jar Jar you know and and actually in hindsight that actually might actually eat a little bit of the fuel that of Jar Jar hatred certainly rose to the Darth Jar Jar thing, which that's kind of funny. Um, but I think it would have been, it would have been, uh, far more believable and, uh, more intriguing. Like I said, if it would have been Mon Mothma or Bail Organa or somebody like that, who was the deciding vote and then went, Oh crap, what did I do? Yeah. And enough itself, the scene is not one of the worst scenes of Star Wars. It, it speaks to, I mean, and it's obvious, it speaks to the manipulative capability of uh, of Palpatine, you know, and the fact that he does it while Padme is half a galaxy away. Like, she's bestowed all her power and the Senate to Jar Jar, and it's not that Jar Jar is, and, and look, Jar Jar gets a lot of hate, a lot of criticism. This isn't a criticism of him being foolish. This is him, it's a criticism of him being trusting I'm believing in Palpatine, like most of the galaxy was at the time. No, so it makes but... sense that if, that that Jar Jar would trust in the guy who's, oh, you're from my world, and we believe in you again. The, what a the jerk! Scene... What a jerk move it was to make take the most hated character in recent memory and make him responsible for um, creating the Empire. You know, I mean, it wasn't like Jar Jar was, you know, a rock star coming out of episode one. Everybody knew, you know. No, 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 no. no. You're going to blame him. You're going to blame Jar Jar. Okay, so no. Like, first of all, the reason that they went that that he went that route is like to make it more likely. Right. So he's a he's a he's my patsy. patsy. Jar Jar's my patsy. Uh, He's the guy that will help assure that this thing goes the way that I want it to go. Right. But if it weren't him, it would have been somebody else. Yeah. He would have found somebody. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, it's just like, no, no, come on. Like, the, the point is what Fredo was alluding to, which is, like, like, a person 
can trust in an institution and and put their faith in it and just get stomped into nothingness by that institution and 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 i think it's it's more affecting to me because it is him because he is kind of helpless i mean he's just basically naive kind um and trusting and so you stomp all over that guy and it's like yeah like that worked for me on a storytelling level in a, in a major way so like no just, way would this come just anywhere close i loved your reaction that was awesome yeah. all right so uh moving on number seven from the rise of skywalker ray skywalker and i take issue with this one because of this is the only thing that really makes sense in the entire sequel trilogy is that ray is always trying to find out who she is and is always trying to find her place in this universe and she's taken up the mantle of skywalker and that's actually what i thought when when i saw the title the rise of skywalker that was my speculation is that you know it's going to be that um you know other people on podcasts are saying this it was going to be that you know i am spartacus i am spartacus i am spartacus you know it's everybody's going to be a skywalker and and maybe that's still what it is but she's the first one to say i'm a skywalker and keeping that going so the ending of that movie is one of the few things that totally makes sense <laughs> in that movie um and so i take issue with this um but you know people thought it was crappy so i think i would say that it's a little predictable that's like the, literally the only problem that i really had with it um like, like you said if you were laying odds before the movie what's the meaning of the title it's like my, my first choice probably would have been well ray takes on the name um symbolically or because of some familial connection um and so uh yeah you know it just it felt like like this was sort of inevitable that's where we're gonna end up um but like again it it, it works just fine and I let's mean, also go to a point you made earlier too is that um there's always misogyny that goes along with any criticism of ray so let's take a grain of salt on yeah. those as well um nobody called it's luke a mary nobody called luke a mary sue when he's blowing up the death star so anyway yeah. Fred, I mean, in general i mean yeah no uh, in general when you start thinking about what this what the that movie specifically but throughout the sequel trilogy as she said Ray's journey is one of acceptance it's one of finding her place she tells you she's looking for a place somebody show her a place and all this and by the end of the trilogy she tells you she's found her place she found that who not only who she is not just saying that oh this is who my dad and my mom were and this is where i come from but also this is who i am she has accepted who she is and accepted her place in the galaxy in a way which brings her peace so Again, was a clunky execution was like kind of, uh, you know the semantics and the dynamics of it can be argued, but thematically it makes sense. So no, I'm, this will not be in my list. This next one will make my list, and it might be at the towards the top. 
And what I'll, number are we on? This is number six from The Last Jedi. Leia flies in space. Now, <laughs> I have no problem with Leia having force abilities. I have no problem with her being a powerful Jedi. That You, you just talk about a scene that looks bad. I mean, we've even had other instances like in Rebels where Kanan is shot out of a, a um, shot out of a, a ship and he survives for, you know, he's like got about 15 seconds to get back in. So I'm down with that. Just the way that they made this look was just bad. <laughs> so, um, so that, I mean, that when I watch that movie, it just makes me groan. Won't make number one because number one on this list makes number one. Dave, what? Okay, you look like you have something to say. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I like blanked that from my memory. I haven't watched Last Jedi in a long enough time. I need to go back and watch it. But uh, like that one, one of like I I put together five and it didn't even come close to making my list. I hadn't thought of it. But uh, as far as aesthetically, do I? Does the scene work for me? Probably not. Um, just, yeah, it just didn't quite look right. I'm sure they worked really hard on trying to get it to come together, and it, but I think in the end it just didn't. And uh, it ends up looking a little silly as a result. She looks kind of like Mary Poppins or something. Well, here's what, okay, this is an, audio, pod, this is an audio podcast, but, I mean... The, Sorry, everybody, but this is what it looks like. She looked like an action figure flying to, I mean, <laughs> and nobody, you know, nobody, it, nothing moves. It's just this action figure that's floating through. It's like a seventh grade, you know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Yeah, you picked the best possible action figure to reenact this. So. Yeah, was, uh, my Jabba scene is right over here. But anyway, um, no, I mean, it just, it just like I said, of all the stuff that looks so good, it looks so bad. And I'll say, I mean, the first time I saw it, it took me right out of the movie. And that's usually the mark of a bad scene. You know, there's some scenes that don't necessarily work, but that's fine. But the, a bad scene is one that makes you go, wait, what the heck am I watching? That was dope. Probably one of the two times in that entire. I love the last Jedi, but that's one of the two moments where, yeah, I was kind of like, wait, what am I watching again? Because now, the effect was so off-putting. Imagine this. Let's 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 okay. So let's let's rewrite Last Jedi a little bit. Let's say Leia doesn't fly out into space, but still is injured, you know, and in sick bay. Okay, and and Poe still does his mutiny and everything like that. And Leia still breaks into where Poe and C-3PO and everybody are. And imagine this. Leia comes in and she doesn't have her blaster drawn. She walks in. Poe has a blaster drawn and she uses the force to grab the gun out of his hand. That's the first That'd time cool. you see Leia use the force. Wouldn't that have been kicking? Pardon me. You can McClunky that. That would have been that would have been cool. And it would have been like, oh, guess who her daddy is, you know? Um I think that would have been awesome. So anyway, we can, uh, so we've talked about that one. Leia flies in space. Okay. So number five on the list of top 10 scenes that made people hate star Wars. Somehow 
Palpatine returned. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know what I'm more Somehow. aggravated? You know what I'm more aggravated about this is that that you had to have played Fortnite to understand what was going on. That they put some clue in Fortnite about the, the message that uh, that was sent out about Palpatine or whatever. That made me mad. Oh, it's just And not... by the way, everybody, that's from The Rise of Skywalker, if you didn't know. Anyway, go ahead. That that moment's unintentionally hilarious, right? Which, to Fredo's point, with the Leia effect, is like not what you're after. You're not after uh, taking people out of the movie or making them laugh. And it's like, yeah, it's not... It's, it's not what they were tr- going for in that and moment. It, it but almost like, digs at the movie, doesn't it? Like you know, it's like mm-hmm. it's like somebody read the scripts. Like seriously, Palpatine's back, and so po Dan- so Oscar Isaac goes out. Oh, somehow Palpatine returned. You know, <laughs> it's it's an admission of failure. Yeah, is what it is. It's like we have no idea. We don't know. So we're just going with it. You know. Um, so like yeah, but like just it's over in like five seconds so like for me like to get like mad about it like i would never get mad over that line especially since it's so funny we have that line now like we'll always have somehow palpitating returns (laughs) can i just say yeah because the two things one because remember uh this ties up with me with another, the first line that we see in the crawl for that movie, which was the dead speak. And I was yeah. just like, really? It's it's clunky. Yeah. It feels weird. It doesn't feel like it belongs here. No. And then, and look, we know Oscar Isaac's a great actor. We know we've seen it. His delivery of somehow Palpatine returns. He, he almost feels like, like a disappointed dad having to tell the kids, well, you're gonna Somehow. have to go to class. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, there is no fear behind it. There's no <laughs> like, like this should be a moment that absolutely terrifies everybody. The biggest bad guy in the galaxy, the guy who terrorized everybody for a generation, the guy they thought it was dead is somehow back from the dead. Like that, that should be a moment where ever instead everybody's like, oh my god, but Papa P came back from his vacation. Palpatine yeah. came back from you know it's like that's how they're playing it. They're playing like a look. He went two weeks to uh, space uh, Australia or or space, space Cancun, and now he's back, and now we got to deal with him. You know, it's even instead uh, of it being oh my god. You know, it also makes that awkward. Is that's the only time really that anybody refers to him as Palpatine. Palpatine. You know, it's like at mm-hmm. this point in history, it would probably be the Emperor. You know, is bad. So anyway, but that's you know, here and there. So I I love that line, and I love that it's delivered as if he's reading. Somehow, I'm delivering these awful lines. You know, like that's that's just like perfect to me. I love it. I love that we have that now. It's like never, never in a million years would I include that in. The All right. Well, ten. number four on this top ten list from Solo, a Star Wars story. Han's last name. Um. Solo. I agree with this. <laughs> I took issue with this when we watched the when we did our uh, our watch party. Um, that I think that could have been. I don't mind that the Imperial officer 
that, that that's how the name came about. I mind how it came about. Like he was just like, eh, solo. solo. It, to me, the way it should have went down was, you know, what's your name? Han said, you know, or, or just somehow it's like, you know, uh, you know, I'm alone. What? I'm solo. Okay. So you're Han Solo. Yeah. I mean, that would have, if they would have played it off kind of as a, almost like joke like that, it would have been instead of the, you know, uptight Imperial officer just going, mm, let's give you a name. Hmm. Solo. So yeah, that was just, that was a bad moment in that movie. I'm the same about this one as I am as the Oscar Isaac one, man. I love that that line exists. In the movie, when I watched it the very first time, I'm like, that's not, that's not, that's not great. That's not a hundred percent perfect dialogue, is it? But like the fact that it's so silly, uh, and that we have it to, to to just sort of enjoy and point at and laugh at, uh, I, I'm glad it exists. You know what makes it so difficult though, is that it's coming when it's coming. The, the the moments preceding that scene are uh, that's fair are Kira and Han trying to <laughs> Kira and Han trying to get away from both the gangsters and from the gang uh, uh, that's chasing them and then them trying to play off against the Empire so it's supposed to be a tense scene or there's supposed to be tension yeah. because he might get caught what's gonna happen and in the middle of all this let's slow him down so we can have a funny moment. Like, that, it like feels that, weird. Like, yeah, that's, like if that, come that's back, that, that was my that was my whole point is that they they could have done it without it being, like I said, the imperial mm-hmm. officer being kind of hokey about it. I don't know. What I'll say in in further defense of this moment is that it sets the tone for one of the best sight gags in the entire movie which is him flying through the air a couple minutes later. And so, yeah. like, if you're not prepared for that moment by, oh, you know, knowing that things are about to be a little funnier, um, that one might not land quite as well either. Um, so, like, this one takes, this one jumps on the grenade so that other joke can, can land better. Well, all right. Number three on the list from Attack of the Clones sand Anakin lamenting about sand yes yes yeah I would agree with it it was almost number one for me and I will defend so many pieces of that movie and so many parts of that movie that people just hate or cannot tolerate and so much of it for me is overblown like yeah this scene is okay I guess the sand scene there's I, to me there's no defense it's it's really objectively bad yeah i'm gonna go yeah the, it's bad so i'm you know there's like i said there's a reason it's a meme it's so epic that to this day everybody's still giving it crap uh i will say there's a worse scene for me in attack of the clothes than that one so i will see if it makes the list well all right well uh number two and this is one where I don't object to the thing happening. I object with how they did it. And that is from The Last Jedi, Luke throws his saber away. I, too. I don't mind 
I will say uh, this is one that really bugs me every time I watch that movie. Again, if it would have been she hands him the lightsaber and he kind of chucks it down to the ground or chucks it off to the side like he did in Return of the Jedi. But the comedic throwing it over the back of his shoulder and storming off was, again, the execution was just bad on it. So um, I, I didn't, I don't like that. I don't like that scene particularly. I, I wish it would have been done a little bit differently. So now is it number I'll two see. on my list? No, it wouldn't be number two on my list, but yeah. Dave? Yeah, I wouldn't have it on there at all. Doesn't bother me one bit. Um, but I know that Aaron, you hate it, and I know that other members of the Star Wars fandom hate it. It's all right. Um, it just uh, like whatever. There's other yeah, things I hate a lot more that didn't make this list. I'll tell you that, and it'll be when we go around. If we have any we want to add, I'll have one to add. Um, so all right. Well, you guys no. don't object to it. That's fine. Okay. Number one. Number one on our list. Drum roll. No. Which one? Darth Vader's no. Oh, that's right. They added in Return of the Jedi, didn't they? Oh. You know what? Mm. Which one is worse? I would. I'll go to my dying my deathbed and i will say the return of the jedi one is a million times worse a million times worse. i would agree with you i would agree with you um but that one only exists because of the one from revenge of the sith um you know would it would it have been better if would it have been better if instead of him going no it just would have been just a rage scream Mm mm-hmm you know, or because that's what he's trying to get at. Yeah, that, that would sort of get the rage, the point of the rage already when he's like crumpling metal right. fixtures in the room and glass is shattering. And he's like, okay, I get it. He's mad, right? But <laughs> we already get it. You know, so so yeah. I mean, but that's like I didn't think about that when you said, oh, "Man, yes, the one in Return of the Jedi." I and I, gosh, I, if Lucasfilm, if you're listening to this, please make another special edition where you take that out of Return of the take Jedi. It because out. I was 10 years old when I watched that movie, and I didn't need to hear Vader saying no, no, no. I, I got what was going on. It was not necessary. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, now you yeah. just now I have to go have some whiskey. I'm now mad. I was <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I've been, I've been drinking here cuz I've been like I got to get ready for no cuz I knew it was going to make an appearance of some kind. Um I mean it has to because it just again, it's one of those things where it's saying takes you out of the movie. The moment is playing beautifully and if you had just played with the music and the rage and him just looking up like distraught, okay, we get it. I think no just completely makes you go <laughs> yeah it you know, right it, it, it may yeah it makes you laugh it was kind of like um mm-hmm. i remember the epilogue in um the last harry potter movie and and when you know everybody's seeing old harry and old Ginny, and then they see old draco and i remember people in the theater just guffawing over how i mean just how bad he looked and the, that that no from darth vader that kind of yeah it kind of does that so all right, first of all, before we do any of our go around the quick before we wrap up any one we want to add, did you notice anything about this list though, Dave? 
I feel like there was a lot of Last Jedi in there. There was um, no original trilogy. None. Okay. This was all prequels and sequels. So, which, you know, is one of those things where, you know, and again, it's, it's, it's Mojo for crying out loud. But it's like, really? Is the original trilogy on that high of a pedestal that we can't find moments in there that make us go, come on. You know, and actually, okay, so now. I got one. All right, so. All right, one. all right, well, I'm going to throw mine out first since I'm talking. Okay. And I will still go to my deathbed with this one. And that's Padme combing her hair going, Anakin, let's t- t- hold me like you did on Naboo. And meh, and just, ugh. <laughs> it's like, that whole scene just makes me want to, like, I don't know, go drink a whole bottle of whiskey Uh, i just that drives me crazy and i get what we talked about with you know with leslie you know how you know when you're in an abusive relationship that you know so i get that but i don't think that that's really what george lucas was going for and it's just awful so that's that's one of mine so dave what would you what would you add to the list but my my top one that we haven't mentioned because no the sequel is number one for me big time and then I hate sand is number two but uh, number three for me Leia kissing Luke. Now in the in the video they did say they left that out because these are things because people weren't immediately ticked off by that. Okay, so technicality. So, so ret- um, you know, ret- looking back, yeah. yes, it's like it makes you mad yeah. now. But in at the time, it made sense because they weren't brother and sister, you know. So, but I, I, guess, I, but I get I it. I guess where I, yeah, where I fall on this is like you're going to make all these special edition changes and you're not going to take that out. I mean, like, that's the most glaring continuity error in the entire song and, you know, and, and it's like, an, and it's an easy edit all you say well you clearly don't know everything about women cut to the dark yeah. to, cut to a star destroyer you know that's all you need yep. to do yep now you yep. missed you you know you missed the comedic aspect of what happens after that but yeah you don't have the incest so uh um, yeah incest great. bad yep it, and it like i said it was an easy fix so fredo what what makes the list for you I'm surprised nobody's mentioned this yet. Two words. Jedi rocks. That was unnecessary when it came out. It's still unnecessary. And the only reason it's in my head is because I finally cracked into the Return of the Jedi chapter of uh, the Lego Star Wars. (laughs) And it's playing in the background of Davos Palace, and I'm just like, there was no need for that. Exactly, exactly. Uh, Aaron is holding up, uh, what's his name? I can't Uh, remember what his name is. The flavor flavor Flav in the group, you know. Nobody even knows that guy's name. Um, Yeah, no, a complete... Yeah, that's a a good one, yeah. Talk about putting, you know, that wasn't just uh, take you out of the movie. That was slamming on the brakes of that movie. Everything stopped for that moment. And it was like, 
no reason anyway i will okay so i'm i'm gonna go if we want to go around the horn one more time or anything but if, if we're done but i'm going to throw out another one that's more recent and i'm going to say the vespas of mos espa <laughs> yeah that's that's very recent from the book of boba fett that is just when i first saw that i was like ugh. it was like it's it was embarrassing that ilm had anything to do with that and I mean, you can talk to me all you want about what they were trying to reference and stuff like that, but you can make those references without making it look bad. But anyway, so that was the, yeah, the Vespas of Mos Espa. Um, but one last one that I would throw out also is Anakin's performance of you underestimate my power. That's I knew too. you had to get that in yeah. there somewhere. Dave, yeah. any more? Um, Rise of Skywalker was a um, disappointment for me on a lot of levels. Um, and two, two things jump out at me immediately, which is Finn, I've got to tell you something and I never pay it off. And, um, the Ben dying because in the context of him being an interesting character that we really hadn't seen before. And that dynamic between him and Ray being something that we really hadn't seen before. They just like put dirt on the whole thing. It's like, you're going to, you're going to make the decision to show us the kiss. All right. Okay. Well then make it mean something, but instead it's like, no, we're going to tie this up with this tidy little bow and we're going to kill him. And I, I just, the kiss is one thing, right? For the reasons you outlined, like, yeah, he's a horrible person. Why is she kissing him? Okay, let's explore that. We never explore that. We are never going to have the opportunity to explore that because they killed him. And so, yeah, I just, like, that decision it bothered me. His death bothered me um, in the same way that we never got a uh, payoff for Finn's character. Like none of those characters really reached their full potential or had a full character arc, other than maybe Ray. Um, just, it's just unsatisfying. For me, right quick, uh, the two scenes. Well, first of all, the Attack of the Clone scenes that actually was worse for me than uh, Sand is the scene that follows it, which is when Anakin's professing his love by the place. Oh, the fireplace scene, yeah. The fireplace scene, I'm just like, I mean, but on one level, it's just poorly written, it doesn't work. If this is a declaration of love, it it comes off less as Dr. Shivago and more as uh, every creepy, pervy guy professing his love to a girl he barely met. Yeah. Like mm. every insult, it's just mm. like, okay, and 20 and, and some odd years later, it still hasn't gotten any better, I'm sorry. You know, Anik, you know, Hayden's done much better work as the character. That was not one of the highlights. The other moment that kind of just stuck, stuck at the top of my head was the big uh, Armada reveal in Rise of Skywalker. Mm. Because it's not earned. You know, that's not a moment that, you know, when, oh, here comes all the galaxy coming to take on the First Order to finally show them, you know, we're not going to take, you know, take them anymore, whatever. Except that through the entirety of the sequel trilogy, we've been shown that the galaxy does not want to get involved, does not mm -hmm. want to be a part of this. They're running away from it. They're hiding. You know, 
And then because Lando and Wedge and a few other people uh, did loop-de-loops around the galaxy, oh, we, we showed up with enough people to beat down the, the First Order. It's like, I, I mean, I get that they were going for their Avengers Endgame moment, but it's not earned. Right. So you can't have it. So Sorry. To, to conclude, they had three honorable mentions. Um, two of them we're not going to talk about because we know how we stand on these. Um, one is no Chewbacca medal. Another one is Jabba in A New Hope. Um, but the third one, which I find really interesting, none of us mentioned, was Phasma's death. And how, basically, basically, how do you waste a character like that? And actually, I like the, we've talked about it before, I like the um, deleted scene, which showed her, you know, you know, gunning down the other stormtroopers because she was caught in what, you know, in in what she did in the force awakens. And that, that was a better way of Finn finishing her off, but the way they did it was just, you know, just cheap. And, but yeah, how do you, how do you waste a character like that? Um, she should have been. And I think that's, and I think that's the general sentiment It's not just that scene it's the character in general from her design to her presence or her attitude. It, you, you almost want there to be a clone war style or rebel style show so that, you know, a new Filoni can redeem Phasma the way that he redeemed Maul. So this because be... it's a character that doesn't go nowhere. Sorry. So uh, this will be a fun thing for us to do online. And so hit us up on Twitter. What are the, the moments that uh, made you hate Star Wars? <laughs> what are what are those moments that make you just groan a little bit? Anything that didn't that we talked about or that, that wasn't on your list? Tell us what's on your list. Um, but uh, other than that, until next week, we will say who dat? Who dat? Who dat? And the Saints start their preseason games on Saturday. So beat the Texans. Um, otherwise, everybody have a great week. We'll see you next week. My monkey.